Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Appreciated the uh, things that have been shared today. We um, are in a place where we need the exhortation to contentment periodically. Scripture says, they that will be rich fall into, forget exactly how the wording is, a temptation and a snare. And we can easily feel like, well, we don't want to be rich. But according to the statistics, we actually are rich. And uh, the temptations... They do surround us a bit and we do well to be warned and exhorted. Going to uh, continue today on the subject of prayer. Last time I spoke, I spoke on the subject of prayer. And uh, going to continue a bit of a different uh, focus this time, at least somewhat though we will start in the same scripture. So to begin, we can turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Today's title is The Prayer of Faith. Luke 18, beginning in verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. We'll cease reading there. Again, as we look at this scripture, it's easy to see that uh, God or that Jesus, it's easy to see the intent of the scripture. It's stated from the very beginning of the uh, text that uh, he spoke a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And he uh, concludes the, the dialogue there, the portion that we read with these words, when the, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So the question a little bit today is, what do prayer and faith have in common? Or do they have anything in common? He exhorts about prayer and then he uh, 
ends his dialogue with the question of whether he will find faith on the earth. Is it possible that one who does not pray regularly or faithfully becomes faint? Is that a possibility? The word here that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The faint, the word faint is, uh, it's simply by implication it means to fail in heart. And uh, by the uh, connotation that is given in this scripture, we would recognize that prayer is essential in order not to faint. That if we cease to pray, we can expect to faint. That, uh, and that it's not, uh, God's will that we faint. It's not God's will that we fail in heart. And if we will not fail in heart, then we will recognize that need for continued prayer. So that today we'd like to just explore the subject just a little bit further. And, uh, Consider prayer, maybe some uh, attitudes in prayer. And I think it's safe to say that um, just prayer, a, a sincere prayer, we, we will probably look at some, uh, later in the message, we'll look at an, at, at an example of an insincere prayer. But a sincere prayer indicates faith. When there is sincere prayer being made, it's an indication that there's faith active in the person's life and heart. And so that's something we uh, will consider somewhat as we go through the message. That uh, prayer does indicate faith and that there's something stirring in the heart if we're uh, troubling ourselves enough to pray, If if I can say it that way. Let's just take a moment perhaps and just uh, ask the Lord's blessing on uh, our time here uh, before we continue. Shall we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your people. We have faith today, confidence today that throughout the world, people, some, their day is already nearly concluded, others their day is just beginning, but we have confidence and faith that many are seeking you, many are gathering to worship, gathering to be taught, gathering to be encouraged. We ask today that your spirit would be ministering through your word to your people, and Father, that the... uh, Spirit of God would also work in drawing hearts to him, to you, that uh, have not yet made a decision to follow you. Father, we do want to be of those who are praying people and not a a fainting people. Though we acknowledge that there are times we do feel very very weak and very uh, faint perhaps even, but we, we do come to the God who is seated upon his throne in the heavens and we recognize that there is 
strength and help in none other. And so today again, as we uh, meditate for a few moments on the subject of prayer again, Father, I ask that uh, there could be some little bit of inspiration that could fill uh, each of our hearts and give us something to take with us, Lord. So may you have your way here in our lives and in this service, we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. First uh, point we'd like to consider this morning in regards to the prayer of faith is is the subject of secret prayer. Jesus taught us a bit about that in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6. Verse 5 and 6, <clears throat> Jesus says these words, but when, thou, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That is the key verse. We could have read some of the verses around it a bit. But uh, I think I'll just... Uh, well, let me, um, let, me, let me read more of the context. Verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. <clears throat> But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. The, uh, the matter of secret prayer <clears throat> is, uh, Jesus definitely uh, teaches us secret prayer here, and I realize that, and I think we all understand that it doesn't mean that every time we have a burden to pray that we have to stop what we're doing, go find a secret spot somewhere where no one sees us and get down on our knees and pray. I, 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 I trust that we fully understand that, you know, we can be driving down the road and praying. We can be uh, on the roof putting shingles on and praying. We can be, you know, in various aspects. But nonetheless, uh, the subject of secret prayer uh, is a subject of the scriptures and is a subject, I believe, that uh, is something that we do need to give some attention to uh, if, uh, if we are in the position or if we are the type of person who, who spends no time in secret prayer, but then at the prayer meeting we can pray such glorious uh, intellectual prayers I would suggest that perhaps we should evaluate something in our lives and consider whether we are missing something in our experience because the Lord teaches us this matter of secret prayer and I believe it's the secret prayer life that really determines who we are and uh, the, uh, the public prayer life should really only be an outflow of the secret prayer life that is in place in our lives. Perhaps we would illustrate it this way. You know, there's a, you, you know, you look out the windows and you see some very tall, towering trees over there. And uh, they are indeed magnificent. 
But there's something below the ground that our eyes don't see. But we know it's there. And that's a little the illustration of secret prayer in the life of a believer. If there is a victorious, prospering Christian life taking place, it's probably because there is a secret prayer life. It's probably because that individual has learned to meet with God in the closet, in the place of secret prayer, and that the hidden uh, relationship with God is alive and well and is, uh, is uh, expressing its, or is, the result is that the tree is healthy, the, the, the person's walk is, is healthy. And so the, the place of secret prayer is, uh, is something to, uh, to value, to, uh, to recognize that it is important and that uh, it's something that uh, we should all be desiring and exercising in our lives. <clears throat> you know, just like a, uh, a tree is... Uh, Subjected to various elements of weather that are can be very uh, testing. You know, as a believer, we also are exposed to various elements of life and various tests. And if there is a uh, if there is a uh, secret prayer life, we are able, I believe, in that connection with God, to weather the storms, just like the tree out there weathers the storms that come come its way. So I want to encourage us on that subject of uh, secret prayer. The, um, the prayer of faith is a, is a prayer that uh, has a secret, uh, a secret uh, expression. Not saying, oh, you know, there are there are those situations where people would feel that any kind of public, quote, prayer is only, uh, is out of, isn't scriptural and is, uh, uh, you know, is <laughs> boasting and pridefulness and all that. But that's not really the case. At least it doesn't need to be the case. Uh, that, you know, comes down to a, a, challenge, a question of our own hearts if that's where we find ourselves. But, uh, but again, if if uh, if we only have pr- uh, public prayer, no private prayer, then then we have a need, something to consider, something to look at. <clears throat> Second point we like to consider is God and prayer, as we think about the prayer of faith. I like to ask the question, or maybe give it more as a statement: How I see God has a great impact on my prayers. How I view God. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must uh, believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how I view God. You know, uh, faith and prayer kind of go hand in hand, as I've said already. Uh, Jesus exhorted us to pray and not to faint. Not to lose heart, and so faith would be, we could say, would could be the opposite of losing heart. 
and to come to God in faith or with a heart, a faith-filled heart, is to is is uh, to come with a posture of heart that God has the answer to anything that I face. God has the answer. There's nothing too big, too hard, or too complicated for God. To come to God in faith is to come with uh, uh, that kind of a posture. To see God for who He is in our lives is to come with that kind of a posture. That there's nothing too big, too hard, or too complicated for God in our lives. In fact, uh, Jeremiah 32.27, God actually gives this comment to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Those were, that was God's question to Jeremiah. And if we uh, look at uh, the scripture in James, we could maybe turn to that one. James uh, 1 verse 5. James exhorts us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And again, there we have the uh, the subject of uh, of faith. Uh, let him ask in faith. You know, again, when we think about prayer and we think about God, uh, if we are wavering in our faith, if we come to God not really believing that God will actually uh, give attention to my prayer or that He w- uh, doesn't have the ability to help me out or doesn't have the ability to solve my uh problem, and he's not a problem solver as such, but if you can understand a little where I'm trying to go, you know, if we come and we're wavering and we're, uh, you know, we're not sure if God is able, then we can pretty much count on it that we won't get what we're asking for or what we're needing perhaps. But if we come to God in faith and see God as as the one who can meet our needs as the one who is able to meet our needs, as the only one who is able to meet our needs, then we are in a posture of, uh, of uh, being able to find a, uh, have an answer. In the posture of being able to have an answer to our prayers. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this kind of a situation, but uh, I know I have where you have been in a situation where you needed to spend time in prayer to first build your faith before you could actually spend time in prayer about the given need. I've been there. And I think most of us probably at times have been there. And we recognize that our heart was wrestling with faith and, and we needed to overcome that struggle before we could actually uh, begin to pray about the real pressing need. <clears throat> And so how I see God does have a great impact on my prayers. You know, if I see God as 
the sovereign ruler of the universe, that uh, uh, hears and answers the prayer of faith. Uh, the uh, you know it, it may not always be that he just does everything just like we wanted, but he is there, and whatever answer he uh, gives, whatever uh, he, we know. And are confident that he gave us what we needed. What he knew was best for us. And we have that kind of faith. Um, and, and we view God that way. We, uh, we have a good posture of heart. <clears throat> like to continue and consider for a bit the uh, uh, prayer and I. Prayer and I myself. You know, how do I see myself in prayer? Uh, for that, uh, let's go back to Luke our scripture in Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 13. We have the I'm going to read more of the context here again. I'm going to begin in verse 9. Luke 18, verse 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Prayer and I, you know, how I see myself also has a great impact on my prayers. Just like we have in this uh, particular scripture, we have two different individuals and they saw themselves very differently. The one saw himself as a very needy soul in need of the grace of God, in need of a touch from God, in need of the mercy of God, in need of the help from God. The other individual saw himself as a very sufficient individual, pretty much having what he needed pretty much being blessed with all that he needed. And uh, all he came for was to thank God that he was so blessed. Kind of, a, of an obvious arrogant posture of heart is displayed there. And uh, he uh, went away without any additional blessing. While the one who came and cried out and uh, in need, deep need, found a, an answer. <clears throat> And then there, and that uh, gives us a good, uh, good uh, exhortation regarding our own posture of heart in prayer. You know, to come to God in utter, utter helplessness, having no answers of ourselves, uh, having no means within ourselves, having no uh, solution. Apart from God and, and seeking God and, find, and hearing from God. Crying for mercy and help at the hand of him who is mercy. <clears throat> and we will find an answer. 
Jeremiah 33, 3 exhorts us to call on me. God says, call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And in Luke, again, uh, back to uh, Luke, uh, actually Luke 11, let's turn there. Luke 11, we have... uh, Luke 11, verse 5, we, the first part of the chapter is, the, uh, is Luke's uh, version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then in verse uh, 5, again, as he encourages us in prayer, Jesus says these words, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is... In his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, and will he give him a stone? Or if he ask fish, will he give it for a fish? Give him a serpent. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? <clears throat> Again, the idea that we have here is uh, coming without shame in the sense that uh, we're not ashamed to come as beggars. We're not ashamed to come confessing that we are needy. We're not ashamed to come and say we don't have what we need. Just like this account gives us here that a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. You know, we are in a situation we don't have what we need and, it, and there's no shame to come to God that way. In fact, God delights when we come that way with uh, no shame in the fact that we are dependent. We need Him. Uh, we don't have it of ourselves. And that uh, we're not up to the, uh, the challenge that is before us, you know, whatever uh, the situation may be at the moment. And uh, to just come to God in such utter abandonment and, uh, and shamelessness, just like this individual did uh, at midnight. Interesting illustration. Just like he says there in verse 9, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So prayer and I, you know, coming... With, uh, without shame, uh, in great dependence upon God, realizing that we need God. We don't have it of ourselves. We, uh, uh, and there is no other source of finding what I need. There is no other source of uh, an answer to my need. <clears throat> the next point to consider just for a moment and in a sense, we've touched on it a little bit, but uh, we'll touch on it a bit more. And that is pride and prayer. Again, in Luke, in Luke 18, 
verse uh, 9, we read that illustration or that example of the two men who went up to the uh, temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. And how the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. Peter, both Peter and James tell us that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Uh, You know, pride is not only in what we say, but it can be in an attitude. Uh, the, The publican here definitely... Not only did he say things that were prideful, but he had, or not, not the public and the Pharisee, but he had an attitude of pride, you know. He had an attitude of superiority uh, concerning himself. And that is really the, uh, the sum of pride. It is simply a overestimation of myself, uh, a, uh, an, an attitude about myself that I am better. I'm more important. Um, what I have to say is is uh, of utmost importance. Uh, the church would be in trouble if it wasn't for me. Uh, or the uh, workplace where I work would be in trouble if it wasn't for me and my abilities. A pri- an overestimation of myself. You know, according to J- Peter and James both, that God resists the proud, we discover that God doesn't have a lot of time for someone who has high and lofty view of themselves, uh, an overestimation. But he does exhort us that if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, uh, if we will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. If we will, uh, yeah... We're, uh, there is a solution if we find ourselves uh, with an overestimation of ourselves and we're exhorted to, to humble ourselves and to uh, recognize our neediness. <clears throat> the next uh, point I'd like to consider for a bit is forgiveness in prayer. Uh, Jesus in, Ma- in Matthew 6 in the, in the Lord's Prayer, teaches us a bit concerning forgiveness. And prayer, Matthew 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In verse 14 and 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The um, you know the scripture is definitely clear in the fact that forgiveness on our part is hinged on forgiveness we offer. The forgiveness that God gives to us is hinged on the forgiveness that we offer. And there's that scripture where it speaks about the one who owed the great debt and was forgiven, and then turned around and and. Uh, demanded payment from one who owed him just a tiny little bit. And how that, uh, when uh, the, uh, 
the one who demanded the payment when his creditor heard what he did, his uh, his debts were actually all piled back on him. An interesting uh, perspective of Scripture, and that uh, you know, for uh, when if if we refuse to forgive, we cannot be forgiven. Uh, is are the words that uh, the Lord teaches us that. Uh, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive. And so, you know, forgiveness is, we recognize, I think, I trust that we all recognize that we need forgiveness in our life. We need it even on an ongoing basis. We don't always do everything right. Uh, and we also recognize that we need to offer forgiveness in our lives on an ongoing basis. We recognize that in life's journey and relationships and uh uh, whether it's in the home, whether it's in at work, or whether it's in in uh, church life, we recognize that there are those times and moments where it's necessary for us to forgive someone. Something takes place, whether it was intentional or unintentional. We recognize that ne- that necessity is always going to be a part of our experience. That that there will be times and places where we need to forgive. And if we get ourselves into a situation where we just refuse to forgive, then we can be assured that we won't be forgiven either, according to the Scriptures. You know, forgiveness in many ways is a choice in, in, in in its simplest form, if I could say it that way. You know, it's a little bit, uh, I've often illustrated unforgiveness with the uh, the idea of a a cage and a, having a bird in the cage, and unforgiveness keeps that bird in the cage. And you just you take the stick and you just poke that bird. You want to make that bird miserable. You just torment it. That's a picture of unforgiveness. Someone has offended me. Someone has wronged me, and rather than to release them, I want to make them miserable. I want to retaliate for what they did to me, for what they put me through. But to forgive is to make the decision to open the cage door and let it let the bird out, let it go free. To open the door and let the person go free. The person owes me nothing back again. Uh, obviously, we recognize that uh, when... As individuals, when we do wrong, we should be uh, confessing to the individual we wronged. But forgiveness is not necessarily contingent on on a confession either. We do, we can forgive someone if they never confess it. We can forgive someone if they never acknowledge the wrong. Uh, and depending, of course, on on what the nature of the of the offense is, there may be such a thing as a trust issue. Uh, we had. Um, a situation in our garden center this year where someone took a price tag off of one item and put it on, got a much cheaper price tag and swapped price tags. And uh, it was of, it was just so happened. We could have easily have missed it, but it just so happened that that uh, things were staged just right, that the uh, girl at the checkout had a question mark in her mind as she checked the person out because she had an idea what the item should have been priced at. And when the person left, she went and searched it out and discovered what had happened. 
and I had the person's phone number, so I called them, and uh, and they came back, and uh, in tears apologized and asked forgiveness. I guess they realized that I had my cards stacked well enough that I could have reported them for thievery, and uh, and I had no problem forgiving her. But to trust her in my business, that, that's a little bit of a different story. But I had no problem forgiving her. I don't hold a thing against her. Uh, but to, to trust her around the place, uh, that's a little different. I, I, wouldn't, I have no guarantee in my heart and mind she wouldn't do it again. But uh, forgiveness, that's, I, uh, I have no problem with that. So, forgiveness and prayer. It's, it's vital. Forgiveness is vital to effective prayer. And, uh, yeah, the prayer of faith is a prayer that, uh, of a heart that has forgiven those who have wronged. I'd like to consider also for a few moments persistent prayer, or persistence in prayer. And again, yeah, we are in, well, let's go back to Luke, Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 7, uh, Jesus says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Uh, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, I read verse 8, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. You know, the matter of persistence in prayer, it does... You know, there's that there's that scripture in uh, one of the scriptures that we had read there. It, I believe it was earlier in, in Luke here. We stopped before we got to the next context where it talked about uh, to, to not be as the, the, the hypocrites who think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. In other words, they repeat themselves, uh, you know, over and over again. But in persistence in prayer, I don't think it's, it's a matter of that we just, uh, you know, just sit there in a repetitious way just repeating ourselves. Uh, but I think it's more that of an earnest cry of the heart and that God never wearies of an earnest cry of the heart. Uh, even though we come back a dozen times over with that same earnest cry of the heart, God never wearies of that. And we don't have to uh, uh, be afraid to do that. In fact, Jesus exhorts us here and actually encourages us that they which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, though he may not, uh, he may, it may seem like he's not answering, or it may seem like he's not answering right away. Uh, we are encouraged to cry, you know, to cry day and night, to, 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 uh, to be persistent. And it seems like God delights in a desperate cry, in a persistent cry. Uh, you know, it, and it's even to the point where uh, it's not really that important how uh, good you are at expressing yourself in words because Romans tells us in 8.26 that likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities for when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The... Uh, 
the, you know, some, sometimes that cry, we may not even have words for it, but there's this, this earnest burden on the heart and we, we have groanings that we uh, hardly have words for and the Spirit of God can interpret those groanings. The Spirit of God can understand those groanings and, and, uh, God can, uh, hear and understand what our cry is. And so the, uh, we do not need to be afraid to be persistent in prayer, to be, uh, to, as we sometimes say, storm the gates of heaven. You know, just be, uh, and it's, it's not, you know, obviously we don't want to be demanding in prayer. We don't want to, uh, tell God He has to do this or He has to do that or, but that, uh, that heart that is, uh, burdened and, un- and unburdening our heart before the Lord in, is what God is looking for. So I want to encourage us with that persistence in prayer. And then also, we'd like to consider for a bit purpose in prayer. And uh, again, we are in Luke. I'm going to go to chapter 11. Verse 6 says, For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. You know, in uh, purpose in prayer, this friend that has come and he has nothing to set before him, this friend represents the whole list of possibilities that you and I might face in life, that we find ourselves in a place of need. This friend represents that list of possibilities. As vast as it may be, as diverse as it may be from, you know, from you to me or or vice versa, you know, it really doesn't matter what the issue is, uh, but there's a need. There's, uh, there's uh, something going on in my life and I need answers. There's situations that I'm facing that I need wisdom. There's, uh, uh, yeah, you name it. And uh, purpose in prayer to come to God in that way, whether it's in our lives personally, whether it's uh, needs in our homes, whether it's in our workplaces, in our businesses, in the brotherhood, uh, in our community, with our neighbor, whatever the 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 difficulty is that we can come to God uh, with purposeful prayer, uh, being specific about the need, being uh, uh, not afraid to, to tell God just exactly the way it is, just exactly the way we're feeling, just exactly the struggle that's going on in our hearts, just exactly what's uh, what we're up against, and to uh, bring it to God that way. And that God, uh, uh, recognizing that God is our source of help, and our source of uh, is our has an answer, has a way to help us through. And so, purpose in prayer, uh, it's not just a matter of uh, putting in a little time, but uh, being being specific, being purposeful, being uh, um, yeah. And sometimes it's helpful to make a list of. Uh, Things that uh, are prayer needs in in our experience and in in our acquaintances and in our uh, relationships, and to bring them to God. <clears throat> Jesus, I'm going back now to uh, Luke, there, verse, chapter 18, in uh, verse in chap in verse eight, as he. 
finishes that uh, first part of that dialogue, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? You know, the Lord seems to connect prayer and faith. It seems like he, uh, if he, if he finds a praying people, it seems to indicate a faith, that there's faith stirring here. And if he finds a non-praying people, it seems to indicate that by the context of that scripture that there's a faithless people. That faith has died out and they've uh, no longer find it necessary to actually uh, trouble themselves to pray. And I do want to encourage us, and I, I, I believe, uh, I'm persuaded that we are a praying people. I uh, trust that we are, but I only want to encourage us to uh, continue and to, if we find ourselves in a place where we have uh, become a bit careless uh, and a bit lax in being specific in prayer, to encourage us to gird up the loins of our minds, to uh, to uh, revive the burden of prayer, uh, to to make that list of prayer needs so that it uh, exu- that it's uh, it's there before us to remind us to pray that. Uh, to take that time uh, at some point in our day, and, and, and most often it uh, seems to be best when it's done early in the day before the pressures of the day come upon us, but to take that time where we get alone with God, where we do spend some of that time in quietness and uh, bringing our needs to God and bringing our uh, requests to the Lord with thanksgiving, as the Scripture says, and... and uh, and also, I should have maybe, it just comes to mind, you know, uh, when we think about prayer, you know, singing is praying, or can be at least. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's healthy to worship God in prayer by singing. It's a, uh, uh, it's, it's a means of prayer as well in uh, communicating from our hearts to God, to God's heart. And so, Will the Lord Jesus find faith when He comes? Uh, will He find faith among us? Will He find faith among in you? Will He find you a praying person, um, a person who is who is uh, seeing God as His as the answer to life's challenges, seeing God as the answer, uh, the one to turn to in uh, life's complexities? Will He find faith? So I want to leave us with those words and encouragement to prayer and uh, trust that uh, you can uh, be uh, blessed and rewarded as you pursue it and have pursued it even in the past. Perhaps we could stand for a moment and uh, close with prayer. <clears throat> Father, again, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the many teachings, exhortations that are given in the scriptures. Thank you, Father, for meeting our needs with these kind of uh, exhortations that we can, uh, we can understand your heart for us. We can respond in faith. We can uh, call upon you. We can see you uh, working in our own lives and in the lives of others. And we are grateful for that. Again, Father, bless each one present here this morning. And uh, revive our hearts, Father, in the burden and 
and uh, perspective of prayer. Grant us, Father, grace to cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Grant us, Father, a heart of praise and worship that we will indeed uh, glorify you in our lives by prayer, by supplication, by thanksgiving, Lord. And Father, even as uh, life's, uh, as the scripture exhorts us to pray without ceasing, Father, may we also be those who, as we walk through life's responsibilities, life's duties, that we would be a praying people moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, as the uh, various uh, needs and opportunities and challenges come our way, we ask, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, Amen. You may be seated.